The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins from the Society of St. Pius V and pastor of Immaculate Conception Church in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. Hello, Tom. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, thank you. Uh, tonight we will continue our discussion of, of viewer questions and, and topic uh, and comments that, that we receive via the email address and also the Facebook group. And Father, I'd like to start tonight with a question from a viewer who would like to know the the difference between the Society of St. Pius V and any similarities that they might share with the so-called uh, Society of St. Pius X resistance group. There seems to be some similarities that this so-called resistance group within the uh, Society of St. Pius X fights the, um, the Society of St. Pius X's tendency to towards this reconciliation with Rome and that entire issue there. So is there some sort of similarity between this resistance and the Society of St. Pius X? And if so, could you elaborate on that? And what are the differences precisely between the two? Well, the, the only similarity that I, that I know of is that we also um, would not approve of the tendency to reunite with Rome under the circumstances. Um, Archbishop Lefebvre himself distinguished between Catholic Rome and modernist Rome. And uh, he talked about the fact that at that time the Society of St. Pius X itself was always in union with Catholic Rome, okay. but was not in union with modernist Rome. And the problem with the Society of St. Pius X right now is under its current leadership, they are trying, uh, steadily have been for years, to formally reunite with modernist Rome and get the modernists to recognize them as part of their church, you know. Um, <clears throat> they don't, uh, even to this day, I, I, as far as I know, the Pius X, Society of Pius X, doesn't necessarily accept the the modernist religion, although they tend to uh, have softened their position quite a bit on the changes, as far as I could see. They, uh, not that they necessarily adopt them, but they, they seem willing to accommodate them and to coexist with, with them. Um, whereas in the past, the Society of St. Pius X, under Archbishop Lefebvre, was very clear in drawing the line and saying he would not. Archbishop Lefebvre, for example, was very clear on the idea that uh, there was no truck between modernism and Catholicism, and they were incompatible with each other and inimical to each other, opposite to each other. The Society of St. Pius X now, under the leadership of Bishop Follet and, and others, uh, uh, like-minded people, you know, with him, um, seem to think that they can form a peaceful coexistence with the modernists in the Vatican, even to the point of being formally recognized by them, formally adopted by them, formally brought inside, uh, as it were, um, uh, you know, incorporated into the Novus Ordo, 
and uh, have what they call the experiment of tradition, which is nonsense, you know. Uh, it's just verbiage that, that has no, no honest, genuine meaning. Uh, and, uh, of course, there are, there have been priests in the Society of St. Pius X who recognize that this is an atrocity. <clears throat> um, they, they seem to still, um, hold at least this much of the original sense of Archbishop Lefebvre in the Society of St. Pius X that, um, the Novus Ordo Mass and its new sacraments and all are the practice, they are the religion of modernism. Okay, they are the expression of modernism. And to that extent that we cannot uh, abide by them and coexist with them in the same church because they're a different religion. And uh, you can't have, uh, I mean, as far as a Catholic goes, it is impossible to have two different religions in the same church. Mm -hmm. um, that's what ecumenism is. Ecumenism says we can have one church and all these different religions under this big umbrella. Um, those who have any shred of Catholic faith left realize that if the Catholic faith and the Catholic religion have been given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ, he did not establish multiple religions any more than he established multiple churches. And there is one true church and one true faith. And you cannot have uh, a, a religion, uh, you cannot have a church with multiple different contradictory faiths contained within it and say that that is the church that was established by Christ. It would be blasphemous to suggest such a thing. And uh, so the resistance priests of the Society of St. Pius X, I've, I've heard there have been a, a hundred of them or more, have either been uh, shown the door if they were you know, openly uh, opposing this and preaching against it, reunion with, with modernist Rome, or uh, that they've left on their own, okay? A total of, I've been told, 100 or more over the years. And um, so we would agree with them that the attempt for the Pius X group to formally reunite, uh, to unite with modernist Rome is impossible, honestly, uh, as traditional Catholics, to blend traditional Catholicism and modernism into the same religion, into the same faith, into the same church. Uh, but other than that, we really don't have very much in common. I mean, um, <clears throat> they already are compromised. I mean, even the, even the, re the uh, resistance priests are compromised. How? Well, they were, uh, they used the changes of John the 23rd. They, they will use some of the changes, but not all of the changes. And they have a kind of a hybrid liturgy, which most people probably wouldn't even recognize. <clears throat> but those who really know the liturgy better, they would recognize um, that there's an inconsistency in the liturgical practices that they follow <coughs> and that they're not entirely traditional. Mm -hmm. And um, even, um, I mean, the resistant priests, uh, I understand, recognized, formally recognized Francis as the Pope, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, their Pope, the Holy Father of the, the real Catholic Pope. Whereas we, we agree that he is the Pope of the Novus Ordo, right. okay, he's the Supreme Pontiff of the New Order religion. And, um, but they, they have his picture in the church, but here he is, Francis is in, in the Vatican, 
calling them neo-Gnostics, neo-Pelagians. He's likening them to heretics. He says they're, they're doing the work of the devil. And Francis can say all of that. At the same time, he's negotiating with Bishop Vallée to, to incorporate them back into his church because of ecumenism. Because of ecumenism, the whole premise is you can have multiple religions in the same church. And and it sounds it sounds as though Bishop Fillet is, is determined to prove Francis right, mm-hmm. that you can have multiple religions in the church. And uh, Fillet, actually, uh, Bishop Fillet is, is actually following the modernist game plan right. in seeking to be in one church with Francis and the modernists, uh, and, and as though that'll be the first formal acquisition of, of, of a separate religion, what they call the extraordinary form of religion, into the modernist church. Um, at least, at least the, um, the resistance priests understand that this is a chimera, a chimera, whatever they want to call it, of mixing two different, very different things, um, which are by nature two different things, and trying to blend them into one, into one thing. Right. It can't be done honestly. Right. Certainly. So, so Father, what what would happen if if this reconciliation between Society of Saint Pius X and Rome actually occurs? Would that benefit the Society of Saint Pius V in any way? And in, in, in any way, and what I mean by that is. Could, would there be any attempt at a union between these resistance uh, priests from the Society of St. Pius X and Society of St. Pius V? Would there be any talks, any attempts to... I wouldn't think so, no. no. Okay. Because I, I think they still have this uh, peculiar idea that um, that sedimentism is necessarily abhorrent. You know? okay. Because they insist that Francis is the Pope, must be the Pope, and uh, even though they, they, they will not obey anything he says, mm-hmm. uh, this is not our understanding. This is not the Catholic understanding of the papacy. So would they simply split then and divide traditionalists even further? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. And I believe the Society of St. Pius X would slowly be, uh, shall we say, digested by the Novus Ordo. Mm-hmm. And the result would be that you'd get uh, sort of a hybrid... Um, I mean, whether you call it the traditional uh, things with the modernist, um, let's say, side lights, side dish, or you get the the modernist uh, entree with the with the traditional side dish. I mean, they can argue all they want as to who's predominating, whether this is more traditional than modernist. But what you're going to get is an attempt to blend the two. And, uh, of course, if you blend truth with error, you, you still get error. Right. Uh, the Society of St. Pius X under Bishop Vallée seems to have this idea that they're, I don't know, that they're going to somehow infiltrate the, uh, the Novus Ordo mm-hmm. and somehow gain by this. But I think the Novus Ordo is just going to, as I say, kind of metabolize them and digest them away, water them down. And eventually, I mean, if there, if there is a reaction within the Society of St. Pius X, uh, uh, once they're formally recognized, and I hear they're just, you know, just a, a hair breath, hair's breath away from basically just signing the deal, mm-hmm. is what the story is, 
that once that happens, <clears throat> there may well be some of the clergy in the Society of St. Pius X who see what's happening, more and more compromising in order to be in the good graces of the modernists in the Vatican. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> they might indeed have a reaction uh, too late to say, wait a minute, there's something wrong here, we can't do this. And at that point, I think that it'll be too late for them. Um, th there's a story um, <clears throat> called The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Have you heard of it? I have not. Uh, well, it's actually Alec Guinness starred in the movie. Okay. okay? <clears throat> and, um, you know, he, he was a convert to the Catholic faith, and he actually had a very traditional Catholic heart about him once he okay. converted. But regardless, um, as I recall, the movie had to do with prisoners of war, British prisoners of war. They were being held in Burma or someplace like that during World War II. <clears throat> and um, the, uh, the, the Japanese who were running the prisoner of war camp w were going to force the uh, prisoners of war to work, to build a, a bridge over a river for a train to deliver munitions, Japanese war supplies to the front that would be used to attack the British and American soldiers in World War II. And the major, who was basically the ranking officer of the prisoners of war, was absolutely resisting that his men would not be forced into labor like this. And uh, But this whole thing got turned around when suddenly his pride got involved, he saw that the Japanese um, did not have any engineering skills to know how to build a bridge, and it was a disaster when they were trying. And so the British major thought, we'll show them good old British know-how. And so he got, he got, he's the one who ordered his soldiers to work to build the bridge, because he was going to show the Japanese how it really is done. Okay. In fact, the bridge was built, it was beautiful, it was solid, uh, good old British engineering had triumphed, <clears throat> and uh, actually a group of Americans, oddly enough, had been sent to, to mine the bridge. They were going to blow it up. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and as they were inaugurating the bridge, I mean, the British uh, military officer uh, with the Japanese captors, you could hear the whistle of the train, the first train approaching, right? There was this going to be this big celebration that they built this wonderful British bridge there in the, in the heart of Burma or someplace like that. And the Major saw the cable to where the, the explosive charge had been set. He saw it under the bridge, and he actually went off and he uh, took the Japanese... Uh, uh, you know, overlord with him, and they, they were following the cable, and they, they followed it all the way down to where the Americans were hiding behind the rocks there, and of course they got shot, mm -hmm. and they were killed, right? Mm -hmm. And the Major was desperately trying to stop the, from destroying the bridge. <clears throat> well, it suddenly dawned on him that this train was approaching that was going to carry all of these supplies for the enemy to kill his own people, his own <laughs> soldiers, and the American soldiers, you know, fighting the war there in the Pacific. And, and you could see, uh, Alec Guinness played this part very well, like he was horrified. What have I done? What have I done? You know? Mm -hmm. 
And finally, he, he was the one, as I recall, who fell on the thing and, and blew the bridge up. But he had lost track of what it was all about. And uh, while he was fighting his own personal little battle of, of, of showing the Japanese, you know, how the Brits do things and, you know, they know how to do things. And he was actually betraying his, his nation, betraying the war effort, um, betraying the free world, whatever. And, uh, of course, he died in destroying the bridge that he had created there. Yeah. Um, and I can't help but think of that when I think about what the Society of St. Pius X is doing here and trying to have, get some kind of formal recognition from the modernists. Mm. You know, our, this is not what Archbishop of This was not what he was for. He wasn't just um, uh, for uh, saying, well, let's see if we can f somehow win the favor of the modernists and get them to recognize us. <laughs> I mean, if that was all he was about in the first place, uh, uh, it, it, this wouldn't, it, it, he never would have been in that position in the first place. You know? right. and, um, and, and when the time came back in the 80s that Monsignor Lefebvre was working on this, this protocol with the Vatican, <laughs> and uh, trying to find an arrangement where the Society of St. Pius X would be authorized to work. You know, I mean, all Archbishop was Lefebvre was trying to do was to, to use the opportunities, whatever he had as a diplomat, to find a way to you know, lead people to traditional faith. But he certainly wasn't going to compromise, and that's why ultimately he, he repudiated the agreement. Mm -hmm. But uh, Bishop Fillet is no Archbishop Lefebvre. In fact, nobody I know is an Archbishop Lefebvre, an altogether extraordinary individual, uh, truly a great man, I believe, in the true sense of the word, the strict sense of the word. And uh, but Archbishop, uh, I mean uh, Bishop Fillet seems to be led down the primrose path here. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. Uh, I fear that he's leading the Society of Saint Pius X to its doom. Right. Father, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that one of the central tenets of modernism, that all religions are equal? Um, all, all, all religions have truth. Right, right. All, all religions Because they're all based upon religious experiences. So they all, have, so the they divine, all contain an, an element of truth. They all contain truth. And uh, so they all come from God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, it, the divine. It, it seems, though, that, that um, members of Society St. Pius X or other traditionalists will get all excited and all worked up if the Holy Father or if Francis or, or any, any modernist clergy will in some way uh, maybe commend the, the traditionalist effort or, or make some kind, of, uh, mm. some kind of remark in support of traditional Catholicism. They'll get all worked up. All or even, even tolerance. Right. Tolerance. They'll get all excited and all worked up about this and say, oh, isn't, isn't this great? He's, he, he's acknowledging us. He, he's mm. complimenting our work. But if you think about it, if all religions contain an element of truth, is this not right in line with modernism? Isn't no, this exactly. isn't this still modernism? As modernism? I say, it is playing right into the hands of the ecumenists, right. <clears throat> who uh, who basically Bishop Fillet is going to make the Society of Saint Pius X the first great ecumenical acquisition mm -hmm. of the Novus Ordo. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, hey, look, Francis has said we're not going to have women priests. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, of course, the conservatives are all about that. Say, oh, look, Fred, the Holy Father says we're not going to have women priests. You see how Catholic he is? Then Francis goes to Sweden. He embraces the woman right. 
who is the archbishop of this Protestant church, and says he wants to have intercommunion with her. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to have women priests in his own church, but he's going to have intercommunion with a church that does have women archbishops. <laughs> and this doesn't make any sense. Unless you apply my Unless you are out of your mind. <laughs> unless you are completely irrational. Right. Unless, unless you uh, live, think like a modernist. Right. Exactly. Which means you're irrational. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fundamentally insane. Sure. Because you, you live with contradiction. Not only is contradiction uh, possible and permissible, it is desirable, it is an ideal. They call it diversity. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, and again, the conservatives say, oh, look, when he says we're not having one priest, that's, that's exactly what we need. When he goes off to Sweden and says just to the Archbishop lady, we want to be in communion with you. Mm-hmm. They say, ah, there he goes again. You know, all shucks. Um, they, they just are willing to minimize that as though somehow that doesn't count to them. Mm-hmm. But it does, right. obviously. Right. To rational human beings, it counts. Right. And to those who still have the faith, it does definitely count. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know where it's going with the side of St. Pius X. I, I fear for them. I, I do pray for them that they will be spared this. But I, I see this, um, uh, they're, they're like the worm on the end of the hook, you know, and the big fish is coming along and the, the worm is yelling, eat me, eat me, you know, please. And, um, uh, that's, that's how I see what Bishop Fillet is doing to the side of St. Pius X. Right. Father, if, uh, if we could, I'd like to, to, um, to have you quickly address one, one argument that I, that I recently encountered where um, a, a particular viewer mentioned this idea of if you look at the Society of St. Pius X, they seem to be flourishing. Their numbers are constantly growing. They're, they're expanding constantly. Uh, their, their vocations are exploding. They're, they're constantly ordaining new priests and all of this. And if you compare that with the Society of St. Pius V, it seems that um, it seems that vocations are kind of at, at a at a standstill, if best. Well, no, that's not true. So they, that, that people can say that, that but it's that, not true. that's the claim. And he says that since that that this manifests the um, the the untruth, basically the the error that the Society of Saint Pius X is in, because this this the strong vocation numbers in the society of saint pius x that is a manifestation a manifestation of god's blessings upon this society how would you counter that argument i would counter it simply by pointing out what another gentleman told me once uh traditional catholic he said you know father you could really feel this church if you would just accept artificial birth control And you know he's not. He's right. You know he's right. We could fill this church, sure. Hey, we could fill the church if we had coffee and donuts mm-hmm. in the pews for people, right? Right. Uh, there are a lot of ways we could fill the church, right? Okay. And uh, if we're going to fill the church uh, that way, uh, you know, the Society of Saint Pius X is bringing in people who have some or, you know, very little concept of tradition necessarily, you know. And when people leave the Society of St. Pius X, they often go back to the Novus Ordo. Most often they go back to the Novus Ordo because they never really lost the Novus Ordo mentality. They consider it to be a matter of taste, personal preference very often. And the society kind of caters to that mentality, you know. Not so much a matter of principle. How could they, Tom? How could they say it's a matter of principle and then say, <clears throat> and, and 
it's a matter of principle that we're not accepting the Novus Ordo uh, Mass and sacraments, but we're looking to be united with those who do, and we want them to consider us the extraordinary form of themselves, okay, of their church here. Uh, so, you know, it's very confusing to people, and, uh, and they're willing to have just as enough tradition that it kind of satisfies their taste for tradition, you know. Mm -hmm. And the Society of St. Pius V will not do that. I mean, we, we follow a very set, uh, set line uh, that we've spelled out in our Statement of Principles. I don't know that the Society of St. Pius X has ever issued a Statement of Principles specifying what they stand for and what they believe in. And really, how could they? Because they want it to be very fluid. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to change, you know. If they said one year, we are not going to have priests who are ordained in the Novus Ordo rite of ordination, offering Mass and administering the sacraments in our chapels, then they would next year have to repudiate that and say, well, now we are going to have priests who come to us who are ordained in the Novus Ordo. And we are going to have them ordained in the Novus Ordo, offering the Latin Mass in our churches for you and your children, they know that there are people who would react badly to that. Mm -hmm. And the people who would come to them because of their reassurance, the assurance they gave, we will not have Novus Ordo ordained priests functioning in our chapels, the people who would come to them with that reassurance, the next year when they changed the policy, they would leave. Mm -hmm. The Society of St. Pius X has changed its policy and I know that they would, and many uh, would say, well, that's absolutely true, but it is absolutely true, okay? The fact that in 1983, Monsieur Lefebvre uh, told us, uh, you know, take your liberty, leave, in okay. other words, was because of a change in policy. And that change in policy was because he was working on making some kind of a, a, an agreement with the Vatican, right? And that agreement which eventually, ultimately, he rejected, Okay. But the, but after it was over, he still kept the 1962 changes in the in the mass, and even some later ones too. Are, you know, depending on where you are and who you're dealing with in the Society of Saint Pius X, mm -hmm. and various other accommodations uh, that they that they make, um, depending on where they are and who they're dealing with. Again, they're very fluid. They will they will not issue a hardcore, fast statement of principles. So they'll know exactly where they stand because they want to be free to basically adjust. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but, as I say, that that is kind of what the Novus Ordo was like. They're, they're kind of making it up as they go along, uh, acting and reacting according to what the market will bear. And the Society of St. Pius V will not do that, and, and we make it very clear exactly where we stand. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, our position is very well thought out, very consistent. Uh, as far as I know, we haven't seen any need to change it. And so the people who come to our chapels know uh, from one day to the next and from week to the next, from one year to the next, exactly what we stand for. Right. Um, I mean, the Statement of Principles is available, and I'd be glad to make it available even online to those who'd okay. like to see it. Sure. Um, but necessarily, like with our Lord himself, I mean, how, how many... Uh, you see in our Lord... In the Gospel, you read about his preaching. And he had hundreds, literally thousands of people gathered to him. And what does he do? 
<clears throat> after feeding the thousands in the desert, the next day he's in the synagogue in Gavanaum, and he promises, I will give you my flesh to eat and my blood to drink. And how they walk away. How many? I don't know. Enough. Enough walk away that our Lord even asks his apostle, will you, will you walk away also? And time and time again, our Lord challenged them whether they really followed him because of faith or they had some other motive, you know. And uh, our Lord was not playing the numbers game. Judas might have been the one playing the numbers game because we read that no sooner had our Lord said, I will give you my flesh to eat and my blood to drink, and all those people walked away, that there we read Judas decided to betray him. Judas might have been the one who said, hey, look, you know, I'm flying high. I'm an assistant very close to this great rabbi who has all these followers, and I'm holding the purse. And he saw our Lord say something that others found to be, as they said, a hard saying, and they walked away. Right. So, um, you, know, you know, people can say all they want about the numbers, but what would they say about the, the mega church down the street that is taking in 10,000 people on a Sunday yeah. with screens flashing and sound effects and all the rest yeah. and bombastic and turning it into a, like a big pep rally, you know, instead of a religious service yeah. of worship to God. Uh, so the argument is worthless, yeah. uh, less than worthless. It's actually is dangerous. Yeah. And I, I believe uh, Arch, Archbishop Sheen, I was, who believes he, he, he said it best when it was something along the lines of, of uh, good and evil, right and wrong, doesn't depend upon a majority vote. Right. So yeah. I think we could leave it at that. Well, I, I think so, too. Right. Well said. But, mm, but there, there's definitely a lot more we could say on this topic, Father, and I think we'll certainly uh, continue to, to monitor it and, okay. uh, and comment upon it. But I'd like to stop there for tonight, and I'd like okay. to thank, thank you for being here. Oh, very well. Thank you. No problem. God bless you. Yeah, you too. I'd also like to thank all of our viewers for watching this episode of Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.